welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old receive their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is God's word. So this chapter we're starting, we're going to linger for a few weeks in Hebrews 11. It's what people call the hall of faith. You guys heard it called that before? It's a story of the Old Testament believers and their faith. It's a hall of faith as if it's like you go to a museum and there's a hallway and you got all these saints lined up from the Old Testament and you're hearing the stories of their faith and you're being inspired by that. What might not be clear, though, guys, is how this is connected to the chapter we just left, chapter 10. Remember, chapter 10 uh, warned us about falling away from Christ. It told us to hold fast to Christ. And the way we hold fast to Christ is by faith. So that's the reason why he transitions into this chapter. So if chapter 10, it said to us, you know, don't fall away, you need faith, have faith, have faith in Christ. And you know, that advice by itself might not be very helpful. It might be like a friend that says, you know, they hear your problems, they hear you're kind of drifting a bit in your spiritual life, and they might say, you just got to have more faith, bro. And you're like, okay, well, like, I'm sure you're right, but I don't really know what faith is. And I don't really know where I'd get more of it, you know? So if chapter 10 says you need more faith, chapter 11 comes in and says, let me show you what faith actually is. And let me show you how to strengthen it. Do you guys see how helpful this is? It'd be super helpful being in this chapter. So what is faith? What we're going to see over the next few weeks from this chapter is that faith is a certain trust in God that he will fulfill all that he's promised to us, okay? Faith is a certain trust in God that he will fulfill all that he's promised to us. And I want to just break down that definition a little bit. We'll look at verse 1. But faith is a certain trust. Faith is certain. It's not wishful thinking. What you're going to find as we talk about faith from this chapter is that it's so different than what our culture talks about faith. You know, have faith in yourself, or, hey, you just got to have faith, and it's unclear what it's in. Sometimes faith is used in a sense of, like, wishful thinking, or uh, faith is kind of what you do when you don't have really any knowledge to work from. You know, when you're in the dark, then it's faith. But this chapter tells us that faith is, is certainty. It's not wishful thinking. Faith is not a blind leap in the dark, you know. It's a leap into someone's arms that we trust. Faith is not believing in something that's really uncertain and just kind of crossing our fingers and hoping it turns out to be true. That's not what faith is. Take a look at verse 1. He says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That's a solid word, isn't it? Assurance. Faith is assurance. It's being sure that that nothing will keep God from fulfilling his promises to us. Faith is knowing that the future thing that you hope for will surely happen. It's a lot different than the way our culture uses it, huh? It might be a lot different than the way you have thought of faith. This chapter is super helpful. He says also in verse 1 that faith is the conviction of things not seen. Faith is being convinced. Faith is being convinced that God will fulfill his promises even when there's no proof in our circumstances. He says it's the conviction of things not seen, that even though we look at our circumstances and we don't see how God's going to fulfill his promise, he will. Because faith looks not to your circumstances, but to God's character, right? 
We, we don't have anything in our circumstances that says it's going to work out, but we know God who we trusted, and we know his character, and we know he's faithful. That's what faith is based on. Um, Abraham and Sarah had faith that God would provide a son. But you guys know, she didn't even look a little bit pregnant for like 25 years. Not even a little bit. Maybe for 24 years. In the last few months, I'm sure she looked pregnant. But they trusted, and they didn't trust based on circumstances. They weren't like, you know, after 75 is a great time to have a kid. I'm sure it'll work out. You know, like, no, they didn't think that at all. And as she got into her 80s and 90s, they weren't like, you know, our circumstances are really lining up for God to fulfill this promise, right? No, they trusted in his character. It was a conviction of things not seen. And there's a great example in our passage here of God's power to make something from nothing. God's power to fulfill his promises when there's nothing in the world that you would imagine would do it. It's in verse 3. He says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. You guys realize, maybe we don't think about this often enough, that the creation of the world, everything you see, was made out of no pre-existing materials. Everything. You think about the size of the universe, and it seems like we realize it's bigger and bigger with time. It is actually getting bigger and bigger with time. But it was created out of no existing material, right? It was created, the Latin is ex nihilo, right? Out of nothing. It came into being simply by God's words. So God, when there was no space, no time, no matter, spoke. And as he spoke, out came hippos and hydrogen, and the horsehead nebula, and lots of other things that start with H, (laughs) and things from every other letter. Isn't that amazing? He spoke things into existence, everything into existence. There was literally nothing. There was no matter. There was no space. There was no time, and his word caused everything you see to exist. The point is, if his word can do that, then the word of his promise to you can do anything, right? Because you're not, you don't need a whole universe made, right? He's got promises he made to you, and they're going to come true because he spoke it, and his speech creates. And um, we can be absolutely certain that his word will come to pass. His words created the universe. So faith is a certain trust. Faith is a certain trust in God. I think this is important, especially as we talk to people in our culture. Faith is not believing in yourself, okay? You know, you got to have faith in yourself. No, no, no. Faith is not even having faith in your faith, okay? Some people, you know, they really have a lot of faith in, they put their faith in how much faith they feel, as if faith is the power to do something. Guys, faith doesn't have power in itself. Faith is what connects us to an almighty God. He's the power, right? Faith is the empty hand to take hold of what he has. Faith is a certain trust in God that he will fulfill what he's promised to us. So faith is, faith is not against knowledge and reason. This is another thing in our culture that they get wrong is that faith is opposed to knowledge. Faith isn't opposed to knowledge. We have faith in God because he's shown himself faithful. We trust him because he's shown himself trustworthy. And that knowledge of God is real knowledge. Faith is based on the knowledge of the God we know and we can trust him, right? So it's not opposed to knowledge. It's not like, hey, if you have no knowledge, then you just have faith. No, we know the God we trust in. And that's why we have faith in him. It's not opposed to reason either because when you see God in the scriptures, when you see his character, when you see who he is and what he's done, it is entirely reasonable to trust this person, right? It's entirely reasonable. 
So faith is not opposed to reason or knowledge. In fact, if we see the God of Scripture and we don't trust him, that is the most unreasonable thing you can do. And it's, and it's opposed to knowledge. And so we trust him because we know who he is. So it's a certain trust in God. It's a certain trust in God's promise. This is really important. This might be slightly controversial. We'll be fine. Okay? Just say that up front. Faith is a trust in God's promise. Promises he's actually made to us. Okay? This is the controversial part. Promises he's actually made to us in Scripture. Okay? This is really important. We can't just make up promises, okay, that we're believing him for, that he never promised, and then kind of like get mad at him for not keeping him. I don't do that to you. And be like, ish, why didn't you come through on what you promised? And he's like, I never promised you that. And I'm like, yeah, but I believed you did. <laughs> it's like, well, that's not fair. You know, that's not, what does that matter, you know? This is really important. After I preached on uh, Hebrews 6, a woman in our church came up to me and she asked me an important question. She said, do you think God makes us promises outside of Scripture? Do you think God makes us promises outside of Scripture? I thought it was a really important question. And I told her, I don't think he does. This is the controversial part. Not to me. I believe it 100%. But um, (laughs) she was relieved. And I'll tell you why she was relieved. She was relieved because she came from a background where people would say that God promised them something in a dream or in an impression or a word from another believer. And she saw a ton of damage from this. Because later what would happen is that, you know, God didn't come through on the thing he actually never promised. And, you know, it was heartfelt things, thing, painful things, like they believe God promised for a healing or they believe God promised them a baby or something like that. And then when it doesn't happen, whose fault is it? Is it God's fault? Is it the poor suffering person's fault? Maybe they didn't have enough faith. You know, that kind of thing. It's cruel, right? God never actually promised those things, though. All of God's promises to us are in this book, okay? And we can hold him to those promises. In fact, he's bound himself to these promises. But we can't hold him to promises he never made. And one thing that it's really important about this, and one of the reasons I bring it up, is not just your own pain if you go that route, but also God's honor. Because we give him a bad rap when we set him up to not keep promises he never made. Don't we? So all the promises he's made are in this book. You might say, well, what about Abraham and Sarah and they were promised a baby? That was an audible, special revelation that is actually in Scripture. Okay? But I do believe, guys, and this might be controversial to other people. We'll kind of step on all toes. I do believe that God sometimes shows people things through a word, through a dream, through an impression that are super encouraging. I've actually experienced multiple of these. So I do believe he'll, he'll show us things that are super encouraging through a dream or a word from someone else or an impression. But he never gives us new commands. He never gives us new doctrine. And he never gives us new promises. Because every, every command you need to obey is in this book. Every doctrine you need to believe is in this book. And every promise you need to trust is in this book. It's called sufficiency of scripture. And um, and all those promises, guys, he's bound himself to keep. Now, one more word about that. Make sure that the promise you found in here was to you, okay? No marching around cities seven times, expecting walls to come down, like we need to make sure this was actually a promise to you, okay? But once you find those promises, you can fully trust him to keep them. I love the song we're singing, you know? He won't fail, right? He's not going to fail. He never has. 
you know? People think he has because they weren't promises he actually made. But he has never failed to keep the promises in Scripture, ever, if you can trust him in it. And let me read you some of the promises. These are summaries of multiple texts. But he has promised you he will never leave you, Hebrews 13. He has promised you he will always hear you, Matthew 7. He has promised you that he will meet your every need. He has promised, if you're in Christ, he forgives your every sin. He has promised to live in and through you. He has promised to return to get you. He has promised to resurrect you and restore all that you've lost. That's 1 Corinthians 15. He has promised to cause everything that happens in your life to work for your ultimate good. These are incredibly solid promises, guys. And you can hold him to it. He's bound himself to keep them. You can't add to him, though, right? We don't add to God's word. Can't add to him. But I'll tell you, I'm not sure what you want to add to these. You know what I mean? Let's go over them again. Because maybe you thought of a better promise than one of these. Okay, he's promised. He says this to you this morning. I will never leave you, Hebrews 13. I will always hear you, Matthew 7. I will meet your every need, Luke 12. I will forgive every sin, Ephesians 1. I will live in and through you, John 15. I will return for you, Colossians 3. I will resurrect and restore all you've lost, 1 Corinthians 15. And I will cause everything that happens in your life to work for your ultimate good, Romans 8, 28. Those are good, okay? Like, there's really nothing more that we want to add to those. In fact, the very last one kind of covers it all, doesn't it? Right? Faith is a certain trust in God that he will fulfill all his promises, and, and faith, guys, in verse 2, it says that this is how the Old Testament believers receive God's approval. Take a look at verse 2. For by it, by faith, the people of old receive their commendation. Where commendation might also mean approval. They were approved of by God through faith. Like us, the Old Testament believers were justified by faith. Like us, when they trusted in the future coming of the Messiah, they were received and accepted. They, they got all God's favor and acceptance by faith. And, and one thing to correct on this, just make sure we're clear, is that when we say that we're saved by faith or we're justified by faith, we're not saying that our faith has merit, okay? That we earn salvation by having faith. That's not what it means, right? It's not like, hey, you know, you had a certain amount of faith and you got to a certain level and God was like, all right, we'll call that righteousness, no, faith is the empty hand that grabs hold of Christ. Nothing in our hands we bring, right? We just cling to Christ. Faith is that empty hand to receive Jesus. When we talk about justification by faith, we mean justification by Christ. Faith is just the instrument by which we, we take hold of Christ. And by faith, what God does is when you trust in Christ, when you first trust in Christ, what happens is, is that God puts you in Christ. You become in Christ such that all of Christ's righteousness it covers you. And because God is pleased with Christ, ultimately pleased with Christ, perfectly pleased with Christ, he's pleased with you because you're in Christ. Isn't that good news? That's the way our righteousness, that's the way we get approval. And so it's by trusting in Christ and being in Christ and all of his righteousness becomes ours. And the good news is, guys, I mean, if you're not a Christian this morning, or you're not sure you're a Christian, no matter how sinful you've been in your life, guys, no matter how sinful you've been in your life, if you trust in Christ this morning, you'll be united to Christ, and God will treat you as if you were as good as Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Anybody have any, like, competing religions that offer better deals than that? 
they're fake anyway, but you know, no, right? The, the true news is the best news. You trust in him and God treats you permanently as if you're as good as Jesus because you're in him. Isn't that amazing? It's just amazing. One thing I want to say that's really important too is we talk about like faith being confidence and assurance and conviction. Some of you guys might be feeling like, you know what, my faith doesn't sound very assured and I don't feel very confident. Um, guys, in the Christian life, we commonly deal with doubts. Maybe not all of you, but a lot of us, including myself, will deal with doubts. We'll deal with times of weak faith. And one thing I want to assure you about this, when you go through times of doubt, maybe you don't even feel like God's there. You know, you don't even know if you really believe. You go through these times where your faith is really weak. You don't go like in and out of Christ based on how much faith you have. You know, you don't go in and out. You might feel like you're going in and out, but you're in Christ permanently. And you don't go in and out of Christ based on, on how much faith you have. We're not saved by the quality of our faith. Because, you know, when you read verse 1, it's like, you know, it's the conviction of things not seen and the assurance of things hoped for. And you're like, ooh, mine's a lot weaker than that. I want to assure you guys that we're not saved by the quality of our faith. We're saved by the quality of our Savior. Amen? We're not saved by the quality of our faith. We're saved by the quality of our Savior. Even a very weak faith, if you only have a little bit of faith and you trust in Christ, he's a strong Savior. It's not based on the quality or the strength of your faith. There's an analogy for this. I didn't make it up, but it's super helpful. And the analogy is of a plane. So imagine two men. They leave LAX and they're headed to New York. And they get in the plane, and one of them's just stressed the entire time. He's like, I saw the pilot. Ooh, I don't know. Is he even sober? You know, like, he has all these concerns, right? And then he's like, he feels some shaking, and he's reading an article about this particular plane, and there's been problems. So the guy's having a really rough trip, you know? He's stressed the whole time. The other guy next to him is snoring. He's like totally chill, leans back. He feels totally comfortable about the pilot, about the plane, everything. Which one makes it to New York? Both of them. Why? Because they're in the plane. Right? It's the same thing with Christ. Like, we could be so filled with doubts and weak faith and tortured and all these things, but you're in Christ. You're going to make it there. Right? You're not outside flapping your wings or anything. You're in Christ, and you're going to make it there. But, guys, it's way better if your faith is strong. <laughs> right? It doesn't affect your salvation, but it does affect your experience, right? And it does affect your life. And we do want stronger faith because this chapter shows us that we're actually sanctified by faith. Just as faith makes us righteous before God, it justifies us. Faith also sanctifies us. Faith is the thing that transforms us. So we say by faith, but we also get changed by faith. And that's one of the themes of this chapter. These Old Testament believers, they faced all kinds of brutal challenges, Right? And yet, they followed the Lord through it all. They faced, like, fear and worry, and they faced waiting and danger and barrenness and war and all kinds of crazy things, uncertainty and loss, and yet they kept on following the Lord. You just read, by faith they did this, by faith they did that, right? How were they transformed? How did they have the kind of heart that just kept following the Lord through anything? And the answer is, they were sanctified by faith. They were transformed by faith. They, they were changed by seeing God's faithfulness and believing that he would keep his promises. They were sanctified by faith. The text says things like this. By faith, Noah built the ark. By faith, Abraham left Ur. By faith, Moses turned his back on Egypt. By faith, Rahab helped the Hebrew spies. 
They did all these things by faith. As they saw God was faithful, they trusted him, and it changed their lives. And all these things they did, guys, really cool, were pleasing to the Lord because they were done by faith. It says in verse 6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. But what we have here is a record of people that trusted the Lord. They had faith in his promise. And even though their obedience was super flawed, and we'll get into that in a second, God was pleased with them. You can tell by the way the chapter's read that God was pleased even with their flawed obedience. And I think this is something I know some of you need to hear, which is that God is pleased even with our flawed obedience when it's done in faith. Some of you guys have this sense that, like, even in Christ, all the things you do, God's just, like, nitpicking it and looking at it, and it's all trash. You know, you read in Isaiah, all our righteous deeds are as filthy rags. That applies to if you're trusting in your righteousness to be right before God. If, if you're not going to be in Christ and you're going to come on your own with your own righteousness before God the judge and say, here's my righteousness, accept me, it's filthy rags. But guys, that's not how he feels about his kids' deeds that are done in faith. That's not how his, our father views the things we've done in faith. You know, outside of Christ, God is a judge that's impossible to appease. All our righteous deeds are like filthy rags. But in Christ, guys, he's not our judge, right? Now he's our father, and he's easily pleased. Some of you guys have a really hard time believing this. But in Christ, God is easily pleased. He's pleased with everything we do in faith. Not in a way that earns our standing. Christ already did that. Focus. Christ already did that, right? But in a way that pleases his fatherly heart. If you're in Christ, the things you do by faith, he likes them. He appreciates them. He's pleased. Because all the flaws are covered by Christ's blood. You can see that in the record of these people's lives. We didn't read it all, but you guys could read it later if you haven't read it. But you see the, the, the retelling of these Old Testament believers in their lives. And one thing you'll notice, where are all the flaws? Have you ever read it and been like, that's not exactly the whole story. You know, it's like, by faith, Sarah did this and Abraham did this, right? You know, there's nothing in this account about Noah's drunkenness. There's nothing in Hebrews 11 about Abraham's lying or the incident with Hagar. There's nothing about Sarah's doubts. There's nothing about Jacob's treachery. There's nothing about Moses' violence and his anger. There's nothing about the Israelites grumbling in the wilderness, which was a major part of the whole deal. There's nothing about Barak's cowardice. There's nothing about Samson's womanizing. What's going on here? You read Hebrews 11 and you're like, this is weird. And it's not because the writer doesn't know the Old Testament, Right? This whole book's about how the Old Testament connects to Christ. And it's not because he thinks he can pull a fast one on his hearers. Who did he write to? The Hebrews, okay? It's not like, they won't know the other parts. I'm just going to, you know, give this polished version. Those Hebrews, they'll never know. They've never heard these stories, right? No. What's going on here? Well, he only mentions the things that were done by faith. He mentions the ways they were transformed by faith. They were sanctified by faith. And guys, I think this is the way that God views them in Christ. You know, all the flaws removed, all of them covered by Christ's blood. This is their lives like seen through the lens of God's grace. Isn't that cool? So you can read the original thing in Genesis or whatever, and then you can read this and you can see what did their lives look like through the lens of God's grace. This telling of it sounds like, like a proud father has inspired the writer of Hebrews to write the deeds of his kids. You know, read through it. That's what it sounds like. 
He's like, oh, they did this, and oh, it was great over here, and they accomplished this and that, and they followed me here. You could just imagine, guys, as you read Hebrews 11 and all their exploits and all the, you know, all of it done through the lens of grace, you can just imagine the devil in the corner going like, well, that's not the whole story, right? He's the accuser, right? Because that's not the whole story. I can tell the rest of the story. You know what's neat is Revelation 12 says that God threw him out of heaven because he was tired of hearing those kind of accusations against his kids. Isn't that amazing? He threw the accuser down. He's like, that's enough. I don't want to hear you accusing my kids anymore. I look at them through grace. And I want to tell you this morning, somebody needs to hear this. God won't listen to Satan's accusations against you. Why are you listening to them? Right? If God won't listen to those accusations, he looks at you through the lens of grace. Read Hebrews 11 and you'll see how he looks at you. And if you're in Christ, God, you have a story just like Hebrews 11 that God has in his mind that's all grace. He's like, there was this time he believed in me and, and did the thing. And, and then this was this other time that she, you know, she went through this hard time, but she trusted me and she made it through. And that's his story of you. He's got a story like Hebrews 11 of your life if you're in Christ. I don't know how you think God views you, but I'll just let you in on my view of myself, like in the gospel. I totally feel in Christ that God is 100% pleased with me. I feel like he's 100% pleased with me. And I feel like he's 100% pleasable. And it's not because I have some great life. It's because of his great grace. I honestly feel that way. That he is totally pleased with me. And the things that I do, he's very easily pleased. Way easier than you guys are pleased. And you guys are real kind. But God's even more easily pleased. He's got a version of my life in mind that sounds like Hebrews 11. You guys know there's this thing called a hagiography. Hagiography is when you write a biography of someone and you take out all the bad stuff. You know, we do the opposite now. We like we take out all the good stuff because we don't want to hear that that uh, that good stuff. But um, hagiography is it's a it's a saint biography. It's like this person did this and this and this. This is a, sounds like a hagiography when you read Hebrews 11, and so it is. It's a story of his saints, story of us, all the sin removed from the story. And guys, he's got a version of Hebrews 11 about your life too, if you're in Christ. So awesome. I just think, man, you're just, you're just not going to risk things. You're not going to put yourself out there for any kind of risk if you believe that God's a nitpicker. You know, that he nitpicks his kids, and he looks at it and goes, well, that was trash. Try again. Because you remember the parable? You know, the parable of the, uh, I think it was the Minas, and one of the guys, he just took it, and he, he buried it. And, and when the master came back, he said, what did you do? Why did you do this? Why didn't you invest it or something? And the guy says, I knew you were a hard man. I knew you were a hard man. And so I just buried it. I didn't want to take any risks. Do you think of God that way? He's not a hard man. If you're in Christ, he's a father easily pleased. So that's what faith is. It's a certain trust in God that he will fulfill his promises. How do we strengthen it? How do we get more of it? Um, how do we have our doubts extinguished? Because we're certainly not always assured. <laughs> we're certainly not always certain. I'm not. And, and faith isn't something we can just like strain and cause it to pop out of our minds, you know? We can muster it up. How do we get more faith? Well, we know from Scripture that faith comes by hearing. He, uh, Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So what happens is as we're in the word, as we're reading the word, the Spirit gives us faith. The Holy Spirit gives us faith through the Word. And specifically, as the Word shows us God's faithfulness. 
As we see his faithfulness in Scripture, the Spirit gives us more and more faith. And what's cool about what we're going to do over the next few weeks, Hebrews 11, is it's a resume of God's faithfulness. Because sometimes we look at Hebrews 11 and we think that it's about faith. Well, it is about faith, but it's more about the God we should put our faith in. And we think sometimes it's about the people's faith, but it's not really. What it's really about is the God they trusted in, how he came through for them over and over and over again. Guys, Hebrews 11 is a historical record of God's reliability. And so I just say this week, read over Hebrews 11 a few times, and let's get our faith strengthened, and our faith will grow as we see his faithfulness. Because these Old Testament believers, guys, our, Old Test- our ancestors, spiritual ancestors, They trusted God's promise when there was no circumstantial evidence it was going to come to pass. And then God came through every single time. And he's going to do it for you too. Yeah. Will he fail? Will he fail? You just sing the song. (laughs) Will he fail? Will he fail? He won't. Isn't that so cool? He won't. You got to shake your hand. He won't. Right? And the ultimate way that we see God's faithfulness is in him fulfilling his promise in the Messiah. We have all these promises, right? Genesis to Malachi of him, and, and he promises this Messiah. And as you're reading it, you're like, man, there's, it's hard to believe this is going to come together, you know? And some parts of it don't seem like it could come together. He's going to be born in Bethlehem, but he's going to come out of Egypt. How's that going to work? You know, or he's going to be a suffering servant, but he's going to be a conquering king. You can read those things and you go like, how's this going to happen? But they trusted him. And he came through, and Jesus fulfilled all that. On the cross, Jesus Christ made good on all God's promises. And if he's fulfilled that promise, guys, why would he not fulfill these other promises to you? Right? God has fulfilled the hardest promise already, right? That's the the case made in Romans 8.32, and I'll end on this. He says, listen to this, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? I'm going to read it one more time. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What's he saying? He's already kept the hardest promise. God's already shown that he'll give you everything. He gave you his son. His son is his everything. And he gave him for you. There's no reason to believe he won't fulfill all those other promises I read to you guys, right? And I know the future is scary. You know, we can't, we can't see what's coming. It's unseen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We trust him for our future, not because of all of our circumstances are like lining up to where you're like, okay, I can see how he'll do that, but because we know him and we know he's faithful and trusting him is the only reasonable thing to do. He won't fail. Let's pray. Father, we believe you. We want to just say as a church, as a body, that we've heard your promises to us, and we believe you. We believe your promise to us in Christ. We believe you'll never leave us or forsake us. We believe you will always hear us. We believe you'll meet our every need. We believe you'll forgive every sin. We believe you live in and through us. We believe you're returning for us. We believe one day you'll resurrect and restore all that we've lost. We believe you will cause everything that happens to us, from the the good things to the darkest things, that you'll work all of them for our ultimate good. Father, we believe you. 
If you are for us, what or who could be against us? We worship you. We trust you. We put our whole lives in your hands. We have utter confidence that you'll care for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.